0: All right, hello everybody. We're back, Curious Apes. We've got uh, a pretty lighthearted topic today. We're going to talk about free will versus determinism. So, uh, Donovan, you know anything to <laughs> anything to get us started on that
1: one? Well, let's just let's just lay the the, the structure of the argument. Okay, so um, the idea determinism is the idea that uh, the entire universe is determined as a state. Um, everything is predetermined. Every even if we haven't lived a moment uh, yet. Uh, it already exists in the future. It's God's plan. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's one way to phrase it. Uh, uh, and you can't change it. So physicists use this as a way of saying like if you know every atom, if you know the placement of every atom, the charge of every electron, the up or down of every quark in the universe, if you knew it all and you could map it out, you could predict the next moment in time in uh, the next, and 50 years in the future, because it's all predetermined. Another way to phrase this is like it's like an iTunes, uh, a song in iTunes, right? If you're listening to it for the first time, maybe you don't know what the second verse is, but the second verse already exists. Whereas free will takes the idea, and I'm sure you know everyone listening to this knows the feeling, but you know you, f- you feel like you're free to choose in any given moment. If there's you know. Um, A or B you feel like you really could choose A or B and if you choose A looking back at that moment You feel like you could have chosen B in that in uh, given this given the time, but um Yeah, so those two ideas are directly opposed to each other
0: So the power is in your hands to choose your future or it is already decided And you really don't have a choice no matter what choice you make, right? so what do you believe?
1: Uh, I prefer to take the um, what I like to call uh, the Schrodinger's cat analogy applied to concepts. So I don't form an opinion on this unless I am pressured into it or there's like a philosophical gun to my head. <laughs> well, now's
0: your chance to observe a choice. <laughs> I mean,
1: the, the problem is that, you know, it, I, I'd probably with a gun in my head say that it is some sort of determinism, uh, that free will is an illusion that we evolved with to uh, help us navigate the world. I think at, at some point... Um, Another way to phrase this, another in-between that I learned, that I got in India, was um, the idea that it's somewhere in between the compatibilist compatibilist point of view, and imagine if you have a cow tied to a pole, right, Uh, and the the piece of rope is, let's say, 3 meters, Uh, the cow can't go 10 meters away, right, he has a diameter of 6 to possibly travel. Um, so he can't go 10 uh, meters away, but he can travel. He does have a bunch of choices, a bunch of area he can cover. That is his free will to choose to, you know, to walk to. And so maybe the truth lies somewhere in between.
0: I feel like it kind of has to, right? I mean, th- there, there are certain things that are obviously out of our control. That's the universe. Um, there's entropy. There's chaos. The natural state of things is chaos. That's why the Buddhists say the natural thing of suffering is because if you create a desire which is order, you you wish for order to exist in the universe, the chaos of the universe will disappoint you because it will eventually take it away either through entropy or through just an accident. That could be a storm, that could be a meteor, that could be somebody hitting your car, what have you. So there's certain things that we don't have the power to control and we couldn't control how we were born in the DNA and all of these things. But within that, I do feel like there is a choice, I didn't choose to be who I am, but since I've been uh, old enough to really make decisions for myself, I was able to choose what cities I wanted to live in, what places I wanted to go to, what people I wanted to talk to, um, whether or not I thought that person was attractive or wasn't attractive, whether or not this person inspired me or didn't inspire me, Um, and these things reflecting the introspection. Looking into my own mind, something internal and outside of the external chaos, allowed me to look at my options and then choose one. I so yeah. who's the I in that sentence when you say I chose? What is that? the I in that sentence? Is the conglomeration the the the, the amalgamation of synapses and uh, neurotransmitters and uh, chemicals that make up my brain. I believe that my brain is largely a nature, uh, computer made by nature. Um, I have the advantage as a computer made by nature to have parallel processing and to have extremely quick computing. Um, but I take inputs of vision, I take inputs of sound, I take all of these things. But just like a computer um, is able to, the, the advantage is that I have control of the CPU. So I I get to decide where to allocate my resources. The decision of allocating my resources of my memory um, and these things are the eye. So the the eye is the thing that controls the rest of it? Yes, but I do agree completely that um, the eye is being deceived um, by an illusion many times the the fact that my eyes evolve to only see what they do evolve you know like the mantis shrimp can see six more spectrums than I right, can you right. know what I mean if I saw those six other spectrums would I make other choices probably so I'm I'm the cow in that case well I guess what I'm trying to get at is um, is the
1: like the thing that's making the decision because all right there are there are, there are things going on in your brain that you are unaware of right this is for all humans like we're not aware of every synapse firing and so there are processes in our brain that we are that we that the thing thinking doesn't control. Absolutely. Like like, yeah. like if you think you know I really want a sprite right now. This this podcast brought you by Sprite. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I really want a sprite right now. Uh, you know there could be something that's that you're not aware of in your brain. You know thirst or uh, low blood sugar that pings something else and it rises and then the thought arises. You know I want a sprite. And that's the external chaos. Okay, but I guess what I'm trying to say is how. How were you how did you choose sprite if things you are not aware of and are not in control of and don't know about you know give way to the thought?
0: Don't you believe there's some ability to now look back and and use that introspection again go inside look and say what is what is my thoughts of sprite? My body just gave me this addictive craving like there's I went to Japan and got hooked back on cigarettes and you know now I need to bum one every once every few days or something when I'm having yeah. a few drinks but I've lately told myself hey that's you don't really want to do that like smoking cigarettes It's 2016 we know a lot about what they do like do you really want to smoke cigarettes? You care about your health. So no, I don't really want to smoke cigarettes. So I actively Put myself in situations where I try mental practices just meditate take a deep breath if I want a cigarette or uh, You know, I had I have a buddy who was in the same situation He used to just get mints and he would carry around mints in his pocket his choice of his free will was to battle the determinism. He used his right, free will right. to battle the external chaos that, that was determined for him. He couldn't stop that biological craving any more than I could. The nicotine wants that withdrawal. But what I could do was develop practices and reflect on health. In hmm. ways that allowed me to choose not to do it, so are there things that are impossible for you to choose
1: differently about like is it possible for the the unknown to the deterministic part of your brain to push for something so badly that the thing that's driving the c p u it can't
0: defeat um I don't know i mean we there's there's a lot of stories of of people who you know live on v- very um Based basically fast. I mean, you know, look at Gandhi and, and things like this. Like when we talk about, oh, I absolutely need to eat. I like I, I'm or I'm starving to death. You know, um, we have a lot of hyperbole in our society. People like to go to the extreme, but like yeah. you can see some people who go for a long time and deny the most basic you know no sex no food no water go for days and are able to choose not to do it because of a bigger goal there's a but there's a biological limitation i can
1: meditate and be
0: like i'm not hungry or i am not thirsty but at four days if i don't have water biologically i'm dead so if you were interested in this is a little bit dark but let's say you were you you were like you know what i'm going to i'm going to commit suicide okay but i'm going to do it by not eating okay i'm gonna let myself actually starve to death yeah i think someone might have the power to choose to do that in which case they deny the biological urge that is probably the strongest possible urge what what's more between between breathing sex procreation and eating and drinking, what's the bigger urges? I can't think of anymore. So in, no, there's not. So in, if you're looking at like eating and drinking as t- two of those things, half of the the absolute strongest deterministic uh, presence, I think that somebody could just choose to deny those.
1: That's a good point. So uh, because that was a, that was a good point, I'm going to shift, the, uh, ask you a different question. Is it uh, <laughs> is it uh, is it possible that the things you think you do not choose, that they just Cause I mean I've meditated and when I meditate, yeah, the the I like the one of the most awesome parts of meditation besides the fact that it um, gives you happiness. It's like brewing a teapot of happiness inside of you, <laughs> which is crazy because you know we, we buy all this shit, you know, in the words of Tyler Durden, that we do not need. Uh, it just
0: doesn't seem to make us happy. I know, and reason. then
1: and then if the can you imagine if a commercial came on TV and it was like sit in your living room by yourself for 15 minutes and you have all the happiness you and need? Guess
0: what? It's three easy payments of free. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly.
1: The mall is just desolate with uh, meditating. Oh, that would be more. Uh, I would
0: hate to see malls replaced by meditation groves. Mm. Right.
1: Uh, so, but that. So, okay. So back to the idea of like <laughs> when I meditate, one thing I noticed, one of the first things I noticed was that ideas just pop up in consciousness. Like if you sit down and you practice vipassana. Um, meditation the idea is that it's silent meditation and you try not to think anything and if a thought arises then you try to go back to the non-thinking state of mind and the point being it's like if you start thinking it's like you fell off the unicycle and when you don't think it's like you're riding a unicycle very precariously and when I did that one of the first things I noticed was that um my thoughts just kept rising I didn't choose to think but there it was there was that craving for that fucking sprite
0: but did (laughs) did that they better give us some sponsorship money um but do you feel that maybe, say, minute 15 or 20, there were no thoughts?
1: No, I mean, I, most I've gotten, you know, I feel mostly going to hold on to it for like a few seconds or maybe yeah. a minute or two. But inevitably, inevitably, even if I do make it to minute 20, at minute 21, the second I open my eyes, there's some thought that I didn't choose just popping up in
0: my head. Do you feel like its power is as potent, though, well, of course as it not. was? That's the benefit of meditation. And so that's that's my point is I think the, the, the neuroplasticity that we get Gain the this, this strength of willpower that we gain from meditation, the sense of oneness, the sense of um, understanding of our own thought patterns it is indicative of the fact that while we do live in a deterministic because of its chaos um, universe, uh, we do have this ability to nudge with free will. Right. We, we can... You know we can choose how we react to the currents of chaos. We can choose if we resist or if we flow Arguably the Buddhist would say flow because that's that's the Tao, That's the natural state of things If you try to stand against the inevitable, it's only gonna suck agreed. So um, I think You know for me because of meditation as well, I I, Maybe that's why I believe in free will more is because I I I see this um, strengthening ability to say there's a thought and then look at it objectively hang it in the third eye in this little inner eye domain where I look at it and rather than just instantly putting it down into a emotional trigger area you know rather than immediately letting it have its impact on me I just sit with it for a bit and I look at it and I I ask myself like anger or jealousy or or you know whatever emotion feels proper right now but if I'm looking at it being logical I'm gonna make a different decision. I'm gonna make a decision that will allow me not to feel that. In the same way, I make the decision not to have a cigarette.
1: So yeah, so I just want to say, I mean, that um, the way you phrased that and talked about that shows that you clearly have been meditating. I mean, just the way you spoke. Yeah. About, um, but the second thing I wanted to say was that uh, I think what's going under, what's oh, going unsaid, very very subtly, in in the way that we're speaking about this uh, conversation, is that uh, the thoughts that we're thinking are not the eye that chooses something. That's correct. The, right, and that's the I think that's one of the key points about free will and the way that if there is a compatibilist route, that we can kind of wiggle uh, there. And the, the idea that our, a definition of free will is incorrect. The thing that thinks, I don't think is the thing that chooses. I think when you meditate enough, essentially you're walking up to the cliff of the present. And that's like, and know the phrase is that the distance between your thoughts and your eyes is zero. To me, that's the closest I've gotten to um, Understanding what I think enlightenment is Uh, the distance between your eyes and your thoughts is zero meaning that like your Your experience of reality is like um, the window uh, that you you perceive the world with You're up front at the forefront of it, and there's no thoughts distracting. There's no insecurities distracting. You know you're not like, you know walking along to a bar You know looking at the ground and just thinking about shit that happened to you And you're just totally your eyes aren't even like taking in the world because you're just lost in your thought and I think when you meditate and you kind of learn to silence those thoughts, the you here being the thing that perceives reality, what I think is actually consciousness, not the thing thinking, and unfortunately not the th- not the actual neurons firing, because we, we no no part that I mean by I or we can control or perceive that, um, that I know of. But anyway, so I think when you meditate, you you can quiet your thoughts, which allows you to walk up essentially to the present and being incre- be mindful and uh,
0: experience reality without the distractions of thoughts. When I think it's like a little bit of a, you know, I'm completely with you. And I think what you're talking about is, is the distance between um, what is the conscious eye and what is the meat vessel that the conscious eye controls. And so are they, are they separate? Uh, you, you know, I will say, I will say yes in terms of um, decision-making i don't know in terms of physicality um there may that decision-making i may simply be a um a a creation that results from all of the pieces of my brain working together it may lay outside me i i I don't know that answer but but i do know that's okay I, I don't, don't know if I can tell ask. you if yes or no, there's a soul. That's this, that's a big one.
1: But are, I, what I'm asking is, are you a
0: materialist?
1: Do all your thoughts, all the thing that you, all the metaphysics, does it know arise no. from your brain? So you're not a materialist. Um,
0: I believe that I'm not a materialist because I don't believe that there is really material per se. I think that a lot of this is photons. I think uh, a lot of it. I think it's all photons. I think we're swimming in a world of projections based on how our apertures of senses uh, take it in and then we choose to interact with it. But what material we're talking about is just vibratory matter. You know what I mean? And and its frequency dictates its color. It dictates what kind of DNA it becomes, which dictates what kind of gene it is. Um, So I I completely can um, appreciate the fact that there might be, I don't want to say it's matter, but that there is a more primordial, um, state of being, some might call it the astral realm, some might call that the quantum realm, some might call that the dream realm like, or prusha. T- or Akasha it? or uh or any of these ideas. um and so when I do think about what I was gonna say earlier is psychedelics. What I think psychedelics do, and love uh, psychedelics, we love psychedelics <laughs> at Curious Apes. How do you think we became Curious Apes? <laughs> um, <laughs> but to what what's happening with with psychedelics? I feel like, and you know, Aldous Huxley talks about it a little bit, I believe, in Doors of Perception. But it's this um, it's this moment where you kind of see you you stop going from perceiving and and feeling and you move into just being. You just become everything. You're just integrated, you're connected. And it's and I think a little bit of what that sense is, is that this is all kind of vibratory and kind of illusory, and it's all dictated by our senses and how we perceive them, what kind of memories and definitions and indoctrination we project onto symbols. But when we do psychedelics, we dissolve out of this meat vessel we dissolve out of the limitations of our senses and we retreat into the akasha into the quantum realm into the collective consciousness where we are in that realm where matter is not a thing and we are um we're the mind that sits back and is looking at his you know his vessel it's the it's a puppet master right right, the puppet master consciousness
1: right um well okay so the the idea that um when you're on psychedelics and you're just experiencing the world i think you articulated the same thing that meditation gives you or and essentially what what i'm what i'm trying to approximate when i use the word enlightenment totally which is just to experience the world without uh, any fuzz anything that fogs your mind um, I think psychedelics are really good for that. Uh, and They show you a glimpse of what it can be. And I think meditation is the, and yoga and any, many other practices are the daily work of getting there. You know, it's like, uh, I'm not sure who phrased it this way, but psychedelics are the candy to enlightenment. And things like meditation and yoga are the daily exercise to get you there. Mm. Mm-hmm. But, I, but to go back to the other things you we were talking about, the idea of um, the matter and energy. I think that's, you know, I think... If we call it photons, or even if we call it energy, I think physics has, you know, proven to us that that does, ha- under the right conditions, does have a materialistic component. I mean, e- you know, energy equals matter times light square. Sure, squared. sure,
0: but a, there's a study, um, unfortunately, I'll try to find it, I'll try to find this link for everybody and uh, put it in the description um, after this. But there was a study I found where they took two people and they put them in Faraday cages, right? Yeah. And in these Faraday cages... No, no, no electromagnetic spectrum can pass. There's no, the, the matter becomes largely, um, irrelevant right. to the study. And they, they had a couple. So people who are quantumly entangled, their, their atoms, uh, spent a lot of time together. So they became, uh, had a higher quantum entanglement. And when they put these two people in separate cages, they would subject one to treatments and then ask, and then have the other press a button whenever they felt Stimulation that the other was stimulating with, right. and I believe it was something on the scale of like sixty-five to seventy percent of the time. Yeah, this person, even they were, even though they were in a building miles away in two different another Faraday cage, um, they were able to quite consistent right. consistently with high correlation match the stimulation from their partner, and, and and I feel like quantum physics is showing us that there is a um, primordial. State that is waiting to be um, observed well, that exists beyond matter.
1: I I think that essentially with all of these arguments, we're we're trying to hint at, or we're trying to get uh, get some evidence for, is that there's something other than matter. Like we can call it energy or matter, or we can we can call it different names. But the fact remains that there's there are things of this world we interact with that many of our laws of our uh assumptions about reality of our sciences are built upon and then there is the question of something beyond that yes and all all philosophies that we can they all label the different things you know i mean Camus, you know even uh the existentialist you know called like the void Mm -hmm. we all have our words for it from different human backgrounds and that i think is at the heart of the argument is is there something beyond uh this the realm that we can perceive and there's really i don't think any way to know that yeah but it is comforting to think that, you know, we will return to like a great, you know, to, to something beyond this, to some sort of, you know, communal uh, consciousness, but I'm
0: not sure if it's true. Well and, and I think I think it is true, and I, I know that's a bold statement, but I think it is true because I'm trying to come at this from an angle of, of, of science. And the bottom line is when you die. What we do know for a fact will happen is that your body will decompose and its energy will transfer to the inner to the matter around it your energy will be dispersed so we know that when you no longer hold the energy together um, through your when you can no longer fight entropy with the beating of a heart and with the carrying of your body it will leave your form and turn back into soil your form will no longer be energy as donovan it will just be the energy that's being used to feed plants
1: but that supports the argument that it is all materialistic
0: i mean there's there's nothing
1: in there that requires a void or prusa or something beyond unknowable
0: no no we could say that it goes to um the to the other realm, but science is, it is chosen to go into another realm.
1: I don't know, but science has proven that, like no uh, in a closed system, no energy is lost or create. Like it's it's always the zero sum game. so like, the, my energy that
0: when I die that goes into the soil, it stays in the system of the observable universe. And so that's my point is I don't think this is a separate system. I think it's the same system, but it's a it's a layer that is uh, it has the, the the energy form it takes is infinite the the energy is uh, awaiting um, some observation some external uh, entity to, observe it into a form
1: i think it's more likely i think uh, to argue against my point and to argue for your point because <laughs> you know it's the point of this uh it well, is that i think a better way to get at the angle that you're trying to get at maybe to come at it from dark matter and dark energy and not try to hmm. finagle uh I, I keep using the word prusia the big bang. But, right well i keep using the word prusia but that but it's anything that refers to the void uh to, to the unknowable to something beyond this um uh, and so a better way to get at that might be to say you know well there's this giant question mark or you know variable X if uh, we're talking algebra uh, in, in physics that you know that that we use with dark matter and dark energy That we basically don't know we don't know what holds the universe together we don't know why the gravitational equation you know works and calls for this insane amount of dark matter and we're just like well I guess there it is so if if there is a Prusa in it and you do have to you know and we should um, f- come at it through physics maybe the best way is to is it lies there with dark matter and dark energy is where the unknowable uh metaphysical um uh concepts of our religious past maybe
0: that's where they are currently residing and and if that's where it resides um then to kind of bring this back a little bit um you know there's a common uh phrase um energy flows where thought goes and you know i think if we're gonna talk about free will and determinism, what we're what we need to talk about really, and to, to glue this all together, is the fact that when you make a choice every day when you wake up, um, when you tell yourself a story of how your energy is gonna be used for the day, if it whether it's like I'm this kind of worker and I'm this kind of I'm this straight person or I'm this bi person or I don't have a sexual preference or whatever story you tell yourself you're you're creating a, a, a the system you're creating the stake in the ground like the cow you're creating mm. you're creating your your self-imposed deterministic limitation and then deciding to move within that but by by meditating and by practicing neuroplasticity by reflecting by having difficult vulnerable conversations um reading fucking books you know just just challenging your mind um, and strengthening it you' you're, you gain the ability to set the radius for that stake larger and larger every day and allow yourself some free reign from it You're, so you, you 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 create this ability to um, take the free energy of the world and turn it into a painting or turn it into a song yeah. or you know you have the choice when we invent something when we create a building the area where that building was was energy that was just free energy as oxygen and all these other things. But we as humans in our head create this imagined thing and then it becomes a building that's a physical construct of reality now. It's a, it's a feedback loop of energy in your mind and then energy created in the matter. And that tells me that there must be some kind of free will system possibly creating it
1: until eventually we just lift up the stake entirely and walk around as you know free humans
0: well let's, we when will that happen we either become virtual reality gods or biological gods <laughs> one topic of the two day. that is a topic for another day and at that point we'll end it there we are choosing of our own free will <laughs> to end the podcast here no. at least i think i'm choosing thank you for listening everybody